You are now entering the Nintendo Power Zone. Now you're podcasting with power. Welcome back to Nintendo Switch It Up. We are a podcast dedicated to bringing you the best Nintendo Switch news. And guys, this is part two of our first episode. And in this half, we're going to discuss all the games that were and weren't present at the presentation. So guys, join us as we go along on this ride. Let's start with some first party games. So the first game they announced was 1-2-Switch. We, we spoke about this briefly. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's basically Wii Sports, but for the Switch. Now, I watched them play it during the Treehouse Live this morning. It actually looks a lot more fun than I had initially gave it credit for. It looks like that perfect party game or that game that, like do the kids said earlier, will get you know the older and casual gamers to buy a Switch and play it. it it's one of those games. Now, let's not devalue what Wii Sports did for the Wii. It was the perfect tool to showcase... The functionality of the Wii. Uh, this, if this is done with the same care that Wii Sports was, this could actually be a really good game. This could really help move units. But it, it's it's always alarming to me when Nintendo says we're going to you know put a focus on the hardcore gamers, and then the first game they show us is smacking casual fans right in the face with Play Me. Uh, like, I understand why they do it, though. I get it. It's it's that icebreaker party game. It's the game that, like you said, it helps move consoles, and um, it just helps open that market just a little bit because, you know, I think that's why they put it first because uh, everything that came after it was much more important. Agreed. All right, so moving on, they showed a game that, is really interesting to me and it's interesting to me in the way that splatoon was interesting to me a couple years ago it's a quirky new ip first off how many times in the last three years has nintendo came out with a new ip we have three we have Pokemon tournament we have splatoon and now we have arms arms is a boxing game in which you have these springy arms that reach across the screen at first i thought i was looking at punch out like 2035 or something you know what? It reminds me of those arcade games where you had to grip the um, the handles in in the boxing games, and I you would, and you would swing, you know, both of the 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 little you know arms back and forth. And I remember those games in the arcades; those were fun. And this game looks really fun too. And like I, you know, we're not the biggest supporters of motion controls, but especially with the improved sensitivity and precision that the the new motion controls for the Switch are going to give you. It did look like ARMS could make good use of that, and I thought that game looked really fun. Yeah, I thought uh, it looked it looked like a lot of fun, and it kind of, because of it's a, it's a combat-based game, just depending on how much Nintendo wants to push it, it could be a new fighter in their competitive gaming scene. To add to that point, they did say that you don't have to use motion controls. You can use traditional controls with the Joy-Con grip or the the Pro Controller. So it can be played as a traditional fighter. That's probably how I'm going to play it, unless I'm playing you know, at home with my fiancé, and I can see us 
both wanting to play that game like a boxing game. It looks like there's a, a good amount of strategy behind it, like any fighting game. It uses the rock, paper, scissors mechanic of uh, blocking beat strikes, grabs beat blocks, and uh, strikes beat grabs. It has the traditional rock, paper, scissors mechanic that all good fighting games are supposed to have to make them balance. So in that sense, I'm like, looks like they're capturing the essence of all hardcore fighting games and they're doing it in that quirky nintendo way if they push it properly we could probably see a game like this at evo maybe not right away but it's there's always potential that would be interesting to see a game at evo that uses motion controls and this is one of those games that i feel motion controls is not just an add-on i feel like it actually would enhance um your gameplay and i think just like in splatoon how the majority of the top players use motion controls I think if you want to be good at arms, you're probably going to have to use motion controls. I'm really interested in it. But, you know, we, we see games like this all the time where it has a lot of promise. It looks flashy. It looks great. And then it comes out and, you know, the reviews aren't that great. Mechanically, it just doesn't work. So I don't want to get too excited about arms because I want to wait for it to come out and, and see the reviews, um, get a chance to play it for myself. But... You're right. It looks like something that could be featured at Evo. I think that would make history probably as the first Evo game that people are using motion controls to fight with. But um, I'm very interested in this title, man. It, it's, it, yeah. it's, it's quirky the, in the way that Splatoon was quirky. The potential is huge for this title. Whether it will fulfill it remains to be seen. But this title, um, it's either going to blow up and be huge or it's just going to be a blip like 1-2 Switch. You know, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. The, the design of the game is amazing. It oh, looks, it it's looks slick. freaking, it's it's so polished. Yeah, it's flashy it, and it's slick. And I, I those characters, it, it, it makes me feel like, kind of like Street Fighter, you know? 100%. You, I totally get those Street Fighter vibes from this game. Not only that, but it has the polish that you expect of a good first-party Nintendo game. I would like to know which team is working on this game because there's, it looks like there's a lot of care in the development of this game, like more so than other titles. I mean, I have my fingers crossed. When Splatoon got announced, I was on board with Splatoon the moment I saw it. It looked fun. I'm calling ARMS a must-have game for the Switch right now. I'm going to place my bets on this game being another killer first-party IP for the Switch. Uh, moving on, they... I don't know if I want to talk about this game yet because the hype that we have for this game is it's it's really, really high. So let's just go ahead and save it for the last thing we talk about. Let's talk about Super Mario Odyssey instead. When I saw the trailer for this game, I almost cried. I am a huge fan of 3D Mario. Huge fan. Uh, 64 being my least favorite, and Galaxy being my favorite. But Super Mario Odyssey just, it it looks so amazing. Graphically, it looks so good. I The character model for Mario has never looked better. He had individual strands of hair. You could see the stitching in his overalls and like the denim style in his jeans, the jean part of his overall. He looked great. The gameplay looked phenomenal. I, I did get a little bit of the Sonic Adventure vibe when I saw Mario running around the city, integrate, you know, interacting with normal, you know, humans. 
which shows you how like disproportionate Mario actually is to like a normal human being. But it just looks so good, and it looks like they took elements from all the 3D Mario games and figured out how to blend them into, you know, Mario Super Mario Odyssey. It looked really cool. I love the graphics. I love the design. The the characters really pop in a way that they've never popped before. Like, I almost cried. I was literally on the verge of, like, tears of joy because it's like, Mario is a gaming icon. He, he is the most important gaming icon. If it weren't for Mario, we wouldn't have video games in any genre like we do now. It, it shows how important Mario actually is to Nintendo when you see a game like Breath of the Wild and you see how spectacular that game looks. And then you see Mario Odyssey and you realize that Mario Odyssey looks better. I hope that Mario Odyssey is around um, is a launch title because they need titles like that to launch the console with. Unfortunately, they're saying that that's coming out for the Christmas season. Really? They said Christmas? Holiday 2017. Well, I mean, Breath of the Wild is still a strong title to launch your console on, but, um, you know, they didn't confirm a lot of titles for, like, for, for a launch. I feel like one of the... Um, as great, you know, I, I really was happy with the presentation. Uh, like you, there, there weren't very many things that I was um, not satisfied with. But one of the things that I kind of wish they had given us was more um, official dates or at least official launch titles. That way I could know, like, okay, this game is definitely going to be here at launch. Because right yeah, now... they gave us windows. They gave us windows. Yeah, they gave, and they gave us one launch game. Even though there's going to be a lot of launch games, I'm pretty sure Arms is going to be a launch game. I mean, One Two Switch has got has got to be a launch game. I, I, Wild, I honestly think One Two Switch is going to be a pack-in game. I don't okay. think they're going to charge for One Two Switch. If they charge for One Two Switch, I would be, I would be shocked. Because yeah, so well, that you're probably right. It's probably a pack-in game. Arms is probably going to be a launch game. Breath of the Wild is probably going to be a launch game. But other than that, you know, is Mario Kart Eight Deluxe going to be a launch game? Did they say anything about that? Uh, I think they said it's coming out. It's coming out April twenty eighth. They did give an official date. Uh, April twenty eighth would be Mario Kart eight. So let's just go ahead and talk about Mario Kart eight uh, because we just don't know enough about Mario Odyssey to talk about it too much. I just want to reiterate that that game. It's going to be the best Mario game ever. It just looks like it, hands down. It looks like it's going to blow everything out of the water. Uh, so moving on, Mario Kart eight. Uh, I'm I'm a little torn about Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. While I'm excited to go... First off, Mario Kart 8 is one of the best games on the Wii U. It is one of the strongest... It is the best Mario Kart game, first off. There isn't a better Mario Kart game. And it is a, it, it was always a strong title. It got buried on the Wii U. And it has the highest sell-through rate of any Wii U title. It has the biggest attach rate. Uh, they they sold something around 15 to 17 million Wii U's. Mario Kart 8 got attached to more than 50% of that. That is the highest attach rate of any game on the Wii U. And yet it still got buried on that console. And it's one of those games that didn't deserve the Wii U. The Wii U didn't deserve that game. Because the Wii U just wasn't a good enough console 
for a game that good. Now, that being said, Mario Kart 8 has flaws. Like, it didn't have a battle mode. Um, it, it, it had a horrible battle mode that couldn't even be called a battle mode. But it's still a solid Mario Kart. It was, like I said, it is the best Mario Kart game, in my opinion. And seeing it come out on the Switch with all the DLC, basically, uh, so it starts off like a Game of the Year edition, but additional courses. So we're going to have 12 more courses. We're going to have more characters. They're actually changing some fundamental things like dual items, uh, which we didn't have in Mario Kart 8. Uh, we're getting new characters. So the Inkling Boy and the Inkling Girl, I am so hyped to see them get integrated into Mario Kart because I just love I just love those avatars. They, they have a lot of appeal. So it's nice to see them get integrated. And it's nice to see some classic Mario characters get put back in Mario Kart. Uh, Dry Bones and King Boo are coming back. That's so nice to see. Uh, the stages, the stages, the stages look great, and the game transitioned really well onto the Switch. That's that's also important. Is that the transition got better? So it's gonna run on when it's docked. It's gonna run at 1080p, 60 frames per second, even in split screen mode. And when you undock it, it's gonna run at 720p still at 60 frames per second so that is an actual improvement upon the wii u version which when you went split screen or online dropped down to 30 frames per second so that is a huge improvement to how the game works mechanically but it's also an improvement visually as well like it, it really pushed it and the new characters are always something that you want in a in mario kart game and the new, the new tracks are also important. And the fact that they finally fixed battle mode, I I can't tell you enough how happy I am that they fixed battle mode and added uh, Urchin Underpass as a battle mode stage. Not only that, but they brought back some classic weapons from Super Mario Kart. So the feather is back. The feather that allows Mario to jump uh, higher. Uh, that was a great weapon in battle mode. Uh, the ghost is back that lets you pass through, you know, items pass through you. I have been missing that weapon since Mario Kart 64. I couldn't believe that it's been that long since that particular weapon has been in this game. This is going to be the definitive version of any Mario Kart game. I agree. And I, I understand why they chose to make a deluxe version. Mario Kart 8, with all the changes that they've made to it, you know, they, I mean, it, essentially it's it's like a new game. They they could have called it Mario Kart 9 and gotten away with it or like Mario Kart 8.5. But, um, you know, adding 12 courses to the already, you know, we have we already have a lot of courses, is, especially if you include the DLC tracks and cups that we got for the Wii U. And then adding Inklings and adding an actual battle mode just is like adding another half of the game because battle mode is one of the most important things in Mario Kart. I know it's a racing franchise, but battle mode, I've, I have some of my fondest memories playing battle mode in Mario Kart, and it's so important that they brought that back and that it wasn't an afterthought, that they actually brought back stages that were designed for it. So... You know, the fact that we've got new characters, new stages, a battle mode, uh, improved gameplay mechanic where, you, where you're going back to holding two items and and um, extra power-ups. It's basically like Mario Kart 9, but 
I understand why they decided to call it the deluxe version because that means you can keep all of the old stages and you don't have to completely redesign, you know, everything to make to make a new game. Because if they called it Mario Kart 9, you wouldn't be able to keep all of those stages and they can do that with the deluxe version. And so it ends up being the best version of Mario Kart that we have ever seen. And so I'm so hyped for it. And I'm really looking forward to Mario Kart 8. It's going to, or Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. It's going to be awesome. Uh, yeah, man. You know what I was thinking about? Remember when Mario Kart Wii came out and we would spend hours just in the battle mode? Yeah. We can do that again. Like, and that's that's awesome. Um, like, you, you're 100% right. I completely agree that it is probably best that this isn't a separate Mario Kart title. But at the same time, it it's one of those things that, like, ah, there's, I want franchises to move forward. And when Nintendo is allowed to basically uh, make a what, what, what amounts to a Game of the Year version of one of their games, it's one of those things that kind of scares me because it's like, I don't, I don't, there, you can never say that Nintendo developers are lazy because they're clearly not. They work to make sure that each Nintendo title is perfect, as, as mechanically perfect as the game could possibly be with the limitations of their hardware. Now, all hardware will have limitations, and Nintendo doesn't always, Nintendo has a penchant for making sure that their hardware isn't actually up to what we would consider industry standards. So they actually have to work under the limitations that most other companies would have to work for under. So Nintendo pigeonholes itself, but they are the best at making sure that their titles work flawlessly. And Mario Kart 8 is, again, one of those games that runs flawlessly. So I'm not going to, I can't really accuse them of, <laughs> I can't accuse them of laziness, but at the same time, I really wish that this was more of a continuation of, you know, the beloved Mario Kart series rather than a deluxe version. Yeah, yeah, because the de deluxe version, Game of the <clears throat> Year edition, what's the difference? Uh, slightly off topic, but did we get the specs, the hardware specs for the Switch? No, we did not. Okay. And, and it's, it's the story that people are going to talk about. This is They're actually going to talk about this a lot. Nintendo did not release the specs, and Nintendo is most likely not going to. We're probably going to find out the specs after the system is out and somebody breaks it down. Okay. I mean, the games look great graphically. Um, you know, it's a huge improvement. It's not like going from the Wii to the Wii U. This is definitely a step up. It looks awesome. Uh, but, yeah, we're probably going to have to wait to launch to get those. Um, I honestly don't even think the games look all that great graphically, even though they do. They look on par to what probably the PS4 can output, but I think there's something the Switch is doing. Every game that they showed off at the uh, the presentation has phenomenal uh, design, interpretation. All those titles look beautiful. They're beautifully designed. They, the the artistic choices that they made are what make each and every each and every game look so damn good. Yeah, and. Uh... You know, like I, like I said, I understand why they decided to make Mario Kart 8 a deluxe version and not just jump up to Mario Kart 9, but with all of the extra features that they added, it's 
basically like a new game. One game, though, that they did not add a deluxe version for is Splatoon 2. It is a confirmed sequel to one of the games that I have been most obsessed with over the last two years. We will be getting it this summer. It looks amazing. The new specials in that game, we have a death cloud that rains death upon your opponents. We have like a Patriot missile system that you can actually target a specific opponent, opponent and just have these honing missiles destroy them. We have a laser. We have like some freaking crazy new weapons that can like propel you off the ground. It just looks awesome. We even have even even like older even the older weapons like the splat ruler got new mechanics. I don't know if you saw this, uh, but I literally freeze framed the trailer. But when the splat ruler attacks with a swing, there is a certain type of swing that allows for a more streamlined ink splat. Not one that's so widespread like the traditional swinging of the roller, one that goes in a straight line. And it looks like the splat roller has been turned sideways and flung like that instead. Like a sword? Like a sword, exactly like a sword. Wow. I I haven't watched all of the uh, gameplay yet because uh, just I haven't. You sent me a link to it, so I'll watch it, um, you know, probably on the break. But, but yeah, like the uh, the footage of Splatoon 2, that just made my day. And, I mean, we called it on the show. Like, you know, anybody who has half a brain could tell that that was never going to be an enhanced version. That was always going to be a sequel because there is a certain point where – you make so many changes and you really can't call it an enhanced version anymore. We were getting new stages. We were getting like clothing, hair, hairstyles, pants as an option, new hairstyles. We were getting new weapons. I mean, like at some point when you, when you're getting new weapons, new specials, new stages, new clothing, new hairstyles, all these improved features, it's Splatoon 2. So, you know, but, uh, yeah, we, we, we called that one. And that is simply through analysis of what we had and just going through and, you know, picking apart the footage that they did give us. And it, I'm so happy um, that... Well, we were it, one of the only people to call it a sequel. Every Everywhere you read, it said enhanced port, enhanced I, port. Everywhere. Even IGN. IGN is the biggest, brightest company when it comes to, uh, you know, video game news. And even they were calling it enhanced port. We were oh, the only people who had the balls to say sequel. And that's, you know, why you shouldn't listen to rumors and why you shouldn't listen to fake news. Um and sometimes, even when you do hear that it's going to be an enhanced version, if you just analyze and use your brain, you can see that there are way too many changes. And looking at um, what they showed us at the presentation, I mean, it just, it's glorious. And, um, and you, were, you definitely called the, uh, you know, the super jump using the D-pad. And it, it totally makes sense when I, when I saw how they were doing that because... Um, you know, you, you have three teammates and you use left, right, and up to select one of them and then down is your, your base. So that, that totally works. 
Now, in this trailer, there were a few other things that I noticed. So first thing I want to let's point out, there are new mechanics to the game. There's a rolling function. I don't know if that's weapon-specific just yet. It might be something that only the duelies, the dual-wielding gun, gunner can use. Or I don't know. But I, like I said, I definitely noticed that the splat roller could be used in a different way when it comes to its swinging attack, being swung more like a sword rather than a fly swatter. Um, and there are combat rolls too, which is yeah. going to add a whole new level of strategy as far as um, you know attacks are concerned. Well, because earlier you were saying that it's hard to avoid an attack sometimes when you don't have the motion controls. Yeah. This seems like a way to get like that edge back. Um, there's something else I noticed in the trailer. Uh, the plaza uh, is the the hub world has been Inkopolis has been revamped a little bit. Mm -hmm. You can see that there's clearly been a passage of time. Uh, there is a kitten uh, alongside Judd when, for the judging system. Uh, Callie is missing. We see Marie, but Callie is not in the trailer. Yeah, I always wondered what they were going to do with the Squid Sisters since they are the face of Splatoon. Um, you know, were they going to to carry them over to the to the next you know game are they going to have like the squid brothers and have some like you know male duo are they just gonna like grow the squid sisters and have like a girl band with like you know more members or something i mean but you know that's it's gonna be interesting to see what happens with that another thing is i did notice that there is one thing that splatoon did better than any other video game i've ever played it's the integration of music. No other game other than music games where like you're literally playing the song integrates music so much into the game. And the song that they played during the trailer, which is like a remix version of the like uh, Splatoon theme, it really re-solidifies their commitment to having phenomenal music in the game. Uh, there's... <laughs> nice. There's been a lot of... Uh, there was a lot in that. It was a. It wasn't a very long trailer, but if we really sit down and dissect it, there's a lot of stuff that you see there uh, that is just super exciting. I'm excited to see all the new types of gear that come out. I'm excited to play with the hairstyles. We do got. The, I am excited that the octolings are returning. Uh, so hopefully, we have a more fleshed out single player this time around. Uh, even though the single player in Splatoon isn't bad, I just kind of was hoping that it would be more. And I'm really hoping for better local uh, multiplayer options, but it looks like with multiplayer, at least we know for a fact that you can connect up to eight Nintendo Switches, which means that Splatoon is going to have a much easier go when it comes to the eSports the e scene, because now all you really have to do is literally just bring the, uh, the, the tablet and the Joy Cons, and you can go to a tournament, and you can have a you can have a local Splatoon tournament, and that's that is amazing. Yes, like like I was saying, you know, there are so many games that are going to be enhanced, and like maybe enhanced isn't the right word, but there are going to be um, more accessible because the Switch is portable, and they're going to you know, really increase people's enjoyment 
with the game. And one of the hardest things with Splatoon was the tournament scene just because you really can't... It, it's very difficult to set up a, a land tournament with Splatoon, you know, being that it's a 4v4, it's not like Smash, it's not like Pokken where it's one-on-one. I mean, Pokken is easy. You only need one console. Smash is easy. You need one console. Splatoon, you need eight. And so now, just by bringing your Switch, you know, we can actually, instead of having tournaments over Battle Fee that are, you know, through the Wi-Fi, we can actually have land tournaments in a physical location, you know, so that we can have more regional based tournaments, more city tournaments, you know, like seeing who's the best, you know, in the city where you live. Um, it's going to be a lot better. And it just, I was so hyped when I saw Splatoon. I didn't think I could get hyped for anything else. Um, but then they showed us Breath of the Wild, and I was like, oh my God. Yeah, Breath of the Wild. What a way to close out the show. The trailer that they showed for Breath of the Wild made all the other trailers look shitty. You know how hard that is, considering how glorious all the other trailers are? This one is great, and and it showed off for the first time. We're going to have voice acting, like actual speaking roles in a Zelda game. I know. I was like blown away by how cinematic it was. I, I you know, even though it was still the Japanese voice acting. Just hearing um, Zelda like crying out and like you know screaming at Link, I was like, "Oh my god!" Like the English is- version of the trailer came out today, and the voice actors in the English trailer are pretty damn good as well. Oh, is that on the Nintendo YouTube? Yeah, it's on Nintendo's YouTube. Okay, I, I'll check it out. Just watched. I watched it right before we uh, came on. I was showing my fiance. Nice. Because my fiance hadn't seen the trailer for Splatoon 2 yet, so I showed her that, Breath of the Wild. Oh, did she like it? She is freaking out. So, guys, before we go any further, let me just say that last night I camped out at GameStop, and I was the first person in line uh, to pre-order a Nintendo Switch at my local GameStop. While I was camped out, I was on Amazon trying to order another Switch, pre-order another Switch for my fiance. And when she saw Splatoon, she's like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, because she loves Splatoon 1. And when I told her that we, I had pre-ordered her a Switch on Amazon, she was, she was ecstatic. So, yes, I it, – it's – man, yes. But, yes, she is super excited about Splatoon 2. She cannot wait. Um, but that, let's go back to Breath of the Wild because that trailer was so, so pretty. And – the confirmation that it is, in fact, going to be available on day one of the Switch release. Yes. I mean, at this point, I don't think our hearts could take another delay on Zelda Breath of the Wild. Like, no. But <laughs> it, it does look amazing, and I'm, I cannot wait for that to be the first thing I play when I unbox my Switch. Like, I just can't wait. So they did a great job of like just reaffirming how important Zelda Breath of the Wild is going to be. All right, so moving on, there was a first-party, third-party crossover title, Fire Emblem Warriors. So Hyrule Warriors 
was a kind of a smash success on the Wii U and the 3DS. And it just basically took the Dynasty Warriors format and applied it to the characters in The Legend of Zelda. Looks like they're going to kind of like uh, piggyback off the success of Hyrule Warriors and toss in the Fire Emblem characters. Now, the cool thing about the Fire Emblem characters is that because each game in the franchise uses different main characters and uh, and party characters, I can only imagine that this game is going to have a vast selection of characters in the Fire Emblem roster, and it's going to be cool to see characters like Marth interact with a character like Corrin, uh, outside of Smash, that is. So I hope that this game is as successful, or, you know, I hope it's more successful than Hyrule Warriors was. But that being said, Hyrule Warriors was pretty successful on the Wii U and 3DS. Guys, what we're going to do now is we're going to talk about the third-party support for the Nintendo Switch. Uh, they had a lot of it. Uh, they didn't show, they didn't show a lot, but they showed, I think, enough. They showed some good support. So let's start with the first game they showed. I think they showed FIFA first. Uh, FIFA being one of the most, if not the most popular soccer video game out right now, where it's more of a simulator than a game, to be honest. Um, and it's it's a strong title by an amazing developer. EA makes some great games and the fact that ea had literally zero commitment to the wii u as a platform like they bounced oh they they abandoned them and they publicly stated that they weren't going to support them so to get them back is huge ea they sell millions and millions and millions of copies of their sports games and games like fifa even though they're not like big in the United States. I mean, they sell, you know, they sell well here. They're huge in Europe. In Europe, they are like the top selling games. Those FIFA games are massive. So as far as sales in Europe are concerned, that's really big for Nintendo. And the FIFA games um, that they, well, the, the game that they showed, I wonder if they're, going to try to find a way to use motion controls probably not but um it's important that that we have ea sports back well i'm hoping that this is just the beginning of the franchises that uh that come to the switch when it comes to ea because there's you know games like the star wars battlefront game uh that came out for the xbox and the ps4 that you know it was a I played it on the Xbox and it was pretty damn good. And then there are the other sports titles like Madden. Like I love the Madden franchise, but more, more recently, you know, EA has the license to the UFC franchise and guys, something we don't talk about the show a lot is my after party and myself are actually pretty big MMA fans. We love mixed martial arts. And the fact that we can't play those titles on a Nintendo console kind of bums me out. Now, I know that they don't necessarily have a place on Nintendo console because they skew towards a more violent. But I still like, you know, I love mixed martial arts. And I would really appreciate the ability to play a game like UFC on the Switch. Well, and, you know, one thing that the Wii U and the Wii were missing were uh, those marquee sports titles. You know, you, when, you, when you think of Nintendo consoles, 
you don't think of them being places where you're going to be able to play a lot of great sports games, and that's not how it always used to be. Oh, hell no. It didn't. It wasn't like that at all. Let's be honest. The Madden franchise wouldn't exist without Nintendo as a platform. Like, when Madden came out, it was one of the biggest franchises on Nintendo hardware. Like, it was so big that Sega couldn't even t- get their hands on it. Sega had to ask EA for a separate football game, which be- ultimately became uh, Joe Montana Football, which is mechanically an identical game, but it's different in name only. Yeah, when the Super Nintendo was around, um, football games were were huge on Nintendo consoles. Super and, Tech Mobile. Yeah, and people, um, you know... They, they were some of the best-selling games as well. It, it was a big deal. And then as Nintendo started to um, kind of... Their, their, as their relationship with third-party developers worsened and they began to abandon them, and then also, you know, with the image of being, you know, a, a console that makes mostly child-friendly games, you started to see less and less sports games on Nintendo consoles. But now... They're back, and Nintendo realizes that that's a big market for them, and that's good because you know it kind of ties into that competitive gaming. You know, even though like the biggest competitive games are not really sports games, they're you know mostly shooters and fighting games. Um, it is important to have that genre of gaming back because it opens up an entirely different market to them. Like I said. You know, when when you consider like the basketball and football games that are really popular here in the states, and then the soccer that is really popular overseas, it just it just helps you, you know, reach a different market. And and we really needed that back. And we definitely are getting two K eighteen for uh, NBA two K eighteen. They did show case that in the little sizzle reel at the end of the uh, presentation. So it's nice to know that we are going to have those games. Uh, moving forward to like some more RPG-ish style games, uh, we did get the confirmation that Skyrim is coming to the Switch. I'm not a huge fan of Skyrim. I tried it. I didn't like it, but I can see the appeal behind a game like that. So I don't is- understand, though. Why are they bringing a game that's that old back? Like, what are they adding something different to it? Like, what's... I think it makes sense though because they are re releasing HD versions of Skyrim on both the PS4 and Xbox. So, it only makes sense that if they're going to up res it to match the current hardware, that the Switch, which appears to right now be on par with, with the standard PS4 and the standard Xbox One, it makes sense that they would bring it at around the same time uh skyrim is still a widely popular game it's still played like hundreds of hours you know every day gets spent in skyrim you know so it's it it makes sense but yes it is an old game but because it is being re-released on the other platforms i think it makes sense and of course minecraft is also coming out um on the switch it just recently came out on the wii u Dragon Quest 10 and 11 are also coming out. Big JRPG franchise. Uh, crap. Let's go back. One first party game we neglected to talk about was Xenoblade 2. That game looks amazing. It looks good. Um, 
it looks kind of traditional JRPG, which I am not happy about because JRPGs have become worn out and stale. And the reason why the Xenoblade franchise was so successful was because it broke from that trend, um, especially with the first game, even though the storyline is... You know, the storyline isn't the greatest. It does have moments where it's kind of dull. It's completely voice acted, and the battle system broke away from random battles and just kind of have it has more of an open world feel to it. And then when they came out with Chronicles X, they totally broke away from the storyline, um, which kind of bogs down a lot of these JRPGs where it's all about like kings and castles and like you know, the royal bloodline, like something you have in, in Final Fantasy 10, or sorry, 15, sorry, Final Fantasy 15, where like, you know, even in the reviews, everyone's like, well, the story kind of sucks, but the open world aspect is great. In Chronicles X, they broke away from that boring, you know, dumbass storyline that they've been doing for the last 20 years, and they made this like sci-fi space opera. And so for Xenoblade Two, it looks like they're going back to that traditional JRPG storyline, which I'm kind of, um, you know, nervous about because I'm. It still looks like it's remotely open world, though. It looks like they're taking some of the, the better elements of Xenoblade and uh, Chronicle series and mixing it with, you know, the story elements of like the traditional JRPG. Uh, back to Dragon Quest, hugely popular franchise in Japan, doesn't have the same success level here in the states. But it does. It is one of those games that people quietly demand, and it's it's nice to know that we're getting that game from. It's nice to know that Square Enix is working with Nintendo again because that's just something they haven't really done. I mean, when if a if Square releases a title for a Nintendo platform, it's usually on the handheld front, and that's not to say that those games aren't great. They're great games, like The World Ends with You and Kingdom Hearts. They make great games for the handhelds. It's nice to know that we're getting one of the bigger console games from Square Enix. Uh, we did see the new Shin Megami Tensei game, which those games are hugely popular here in the States. I don't think I've actually played one, but they look great. Is that is that like a um, derived from the Persona series? No, but there's a lot in common with the Persona series. Like, yeah. they, go, they kind of go hand in hand, like... I, they're almost interchangeable. I know most people who play Persona also play uh, the Shin Megami Tensei games just because they skew in the same... They're, like, in the same ballpark. Yeah. Uh, we got Dragon Ball Xenoverse 2. Uh, this is a game that's that's already on the other platforms. Uh, we got Sonic Mania, a game that is also going to be on the other platforms. It's always weird to me when I see a Sonic game on a Nintendo platform, but I'm glad that we're getting this one uh, because this kind of caps off Sonic's 25th anniversary, getting that traditional 2D side-scrolling 16-bit style Sonic game. It, the, I'm excited about this. I was a little bummed out knowing that we weren't getting it for the Wii U, but it's coming out on the Switch, so you know I'll take it. Uh, well, the best third-party games I don't think they've really shown because... Uh... I mean, we did get some big titles, like I said, the EA Sports ones, which I'm not a really big fan of uh, sports games, but um, that's, even though that's important, like we're getting some strange choices to show at this uh, 
press conference, like right. uh, Ultra Street Fighter 2. That, okay, to me, was a weird decision. Okay, let's talk about Ultra Street Fighter 2. I'm glad you brought that up. So, Ultra Street Fighter 2 isn't like Street Fighter 2 Turbo. It's actually a built-from-the-ground-up Street Fighter game for the Switch. It's in celebration of, of uh, Street Fighter's 30th anniversary and the 25th anniversary of Street Fighter 2. So what they're basically doing is they rebuilt a game, making it very similar to Street Fighter 2 Turbo HD Remix on the other platforms, but they're adding some stuff. There's more characters, characters that aren't traditionally in Street Fighter 2 uh, that are more in the recent releases. There's two ways to play the game. You can play it in the up-res hand-drawn art style, or you can play it in the classic 16-bit art style with the new characters. Um, they did say there are going to be some functions that uh, aren't in the that weren't in the original game. So I'm I'm assuming that means that they're going to add online competitive play. Uh, it looks like they took a lot of care in building this particular version of Street Fighter 2. It's from what the, the way they were talking about it in the Treehouse Live that this is almost a new Street Fighter 2 game. Like they literally built it from the ground up for the Nintendo Switch. It's not a port. So that's well, actually interesting. And considering that PlayStation has the complete and sole rights to Street Fighter V, it's important that we get some kind of representation from Street Fighter on this console. Yeah, the nostalgia factor with that is big. And if anything that 2016 taught us is that nostalgia sells, makes you can make some money. You know, Pokemon, this, you know, the nostalgia of Gen 1 totally blew up with Pokemon Go. We had the NES Classic. We had, you know, a lot of things that, you know, have shown us that um, sometimes going back in time is a good thing. I, I still think that is kind of weird, but I am glad that it's not a straight-up port. Um, but, yeah, as far as third-party third party titles well, are concerned... that it's Street Fighter 2, man, because... As good as Street Fighter 4 is, as good as Street Fighter 5 is, Street Fighter 2 is still the, the best. best. Yeah, it's and it's the one that like catapulted fighting games to where they are today. Absolutely. It's like the Hoist Gracie of fighting video games. <laughs> but um you know, with that said, um unless you want to talk about any more third-party games, were there any games not announced or present that you kind of felt that maybe should have been addressed or that you like on a personal level that you kind of wished you they would talk about before before i talk about that i do want to i just throwing this back out there is that uh skylanders imaginators is coming to the switch surprising because we had heard rumors up until this point that they had canceled the franchise so weird to see ubisoft i'm, I'm sorry i'm sorry ubisoft activision still trying to push this particular version of Skylanders, considering it's not doing so hot in the market. Uh, as far as games that weren't shown at the, at the press event, there are a few. There are a few. There are games that were rumored um, to be coming out on the Switch that just didn't show up. Um, and there are a few. The games, the games that didn't show up were the ones that I was kind of actually hoping would show up. So the games that I had in particular for me are Smash and Pokemon Tournament. Um, Smash, uh, Smash for the Wii U and 3DS, they're the best iteration of Smash Bros. They they are phenomenal, mechanically sound, 
excellent character roster, excellent stage design. Smash is almost as perfect as any fighting game could be on the Wii U, and it got buried on the Wii U. The Wii U, again, the Wii U got titles that it wasn't deserving of. Um, just like with Mario Kart 8, those that game was too good for the console that it was on, and it's a shame that Smash got buried on that system. Now, let's 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 do a little. Let's go back in time a little bit. When Iwata got on stage and announced Smash Brothers for the Wii, what he originally wanted was Melee. He wanted an up-res version of Melee for the Wii. He announced the game and didn't tell Sakurai. Later that day, he asked Sakurai to meet him in a ho- meet him in his hotel room and asked him to develop a game. He basically said, "If you don't, we will release a up-res version of Melee." Sakurai he he is a stubborn developer. He strives for perfection. Sakurai is literally the perfect Nintendo employee. He values things like perfection in his games. And if you look at it, all the games he makes are mechanically sound. They're they're beautifully designed. They're virtually flawless games. He he took offense to the fact that they would make Smash Brothers Melee on the on the Wii without him. He took offense to that and it was a personal challenge. Now personally I think that Iwata knew this and wanted to push his buttons a little bit so that he would come back and develop Brawl for them. Cause you know, everybody if Iwata was a very shrewd businessman and he knew his employees. And if you remember, before he was a president of Nintendo, he was the president of HAL, which meant he was Sakurai's direct superior. So I think he just knew which buttons to push to make Sakurai come back. Now, th- here we're in a situation where the best version of a Smash game got buried on a console, and it deserves life on the Switch, the better, superior console. But not Brawl. The, but not you're Brawl. Talking about, you're Smash talking about Wii. Smash 4, right? Yeah, okay. Smash 4. Now, here's the thing. Sakurai, we, we just established that Sakurai took great offense to them making a Smash game without him. The difference is now is that there's no Satoru Iwata to push Sakurai's buttons. Therefore, maybe no incentive to even get him to come back and make a remake version of this game. I don't know. This is just purely speculation on my part. I want to point this out. I'm, I'm just speculating. But it seems to me that I don't think Sakurai would come back for a remake game and I don't know if Nintendo wants to put all their resources in enhanced ports of their games. And another, and, and the thing that's also important to note is that the Switch really shouldn't have too many enhanced ports in its first year. The same thing is going to be, I'm going to say about Pokemon Tournament. Pokemon Tournament is a great game that got buried on the Wii U that I wanted to see make its way to the Switch. I loved Pokemon Tournament. Pokemon Tournament was my fighting game of 2016 it's better than Street Fighter V, in my opinion, and it's not getting the love. It got it. Okay, it got love. It was at Evo. It was at Pokemon World Championships, and it was at CEO. It got love. It was at every big, big tournament that we talk about, and it got love. But at the same time, 
because it's on a system that didn't do too well, it got buried. It got buried on a bad console, and it deserves a second life on the Switch. But, and it makes so much sense that they would bring Pokemon Tournament to the Switch because there are four DLC characters that are exclusive to Japan's arcades that could come over onto the Switch version for like a Game of the Year edition or a Deluxe edition. If they're going to run with the Deluxe name, there could be a Pokemon Tournament Deluxe with the additional characters and maybe some more stages and some more like costumes for characters, customization. There could be a lot. Those two games in particular really do deserve life on the Nintendo Switch. Now, when they come, if and when they come out on the Switch, I hope that they're spaced out properly uh, because you can't release them with, you, you really can't release them both within the same calendar year just because then we'll have three HD ports of, you know, Wii U titles. Uh, the same thing can be said. Mario Maker was one that I anticipated uh, coming out on the Switch. Mario Maker has was, was not shown. Uh, and, of course, Pokemon Stars. Stars in quotation. Uh, I knew this wasn't happening. Let, I want to I want to say this right again. I want to I want to make sure everybody hears me. I knew Pokemon Stars wasn't happening. It's just way too close to the release of Pokemon Sun and Moon, and you don't want to burn the people who bought 3DSs. You don't want to burn the people who bought the game. Like you just don't want to burn those people. But all these games that I just read off were were rumored, and they they had no presence in the uh, the press the presentation that being said though there are there are two games on that list three if you include mario maker that really do deserve a second life on the nintendo switch yeah i, I couldn't have said it better myself and uh you brought up an interesting point though one that i hadn't considered before which is that you don't want to have too many ports from the Wii U on the Switch in the first year because if you do that it's a bad look for the Switch. It makes it look like well we don't really have enough good games. We've got to port all these old games over. Well that's because... exactly what happened with the PlayStation <clears throat> 4. The PS4 launched and the and the games were Grand Theft Auto 5, an upres version of a PS3 game, and The Last of Us, an upres version of a of a PS3 game. And the Uncharted Collection, which was HD versions of three PS3 games. Right, and it makes it seem like, well, you know, we're just taking these because the the, the console prior failed. And we all know that the PS3 was a failure. Um, so when they came out with the PS4 and the PS4, you know, they knew that that was going to be successful because they had learned from their mistakes. They're like, well, let's bring these games that, you know, to use your analogy, the PS3 maybe didn't deserve. And they're going to bring them all to, to a wider audience. Um, so people that didn't have a PS3 can play them. Well, it's the same thing with the Switch. We, we have a pretty small audience in the Wii U, and there's a lot of great games that they want more people to enjoy, so they're going to have to bring them to the Switch. But how they do them is important. It's very you got to be careful because you don't want to just flood the, the market with old games because you want people to have new experiences. Um, in the case of Mario Maker, that is a game that, you know, they 
just recently came out with for the 3DS. So there is a Mario Maker already now that has been ported over to the 3DS. And I don't think we're going to see a Mario Maker um, in 2017 unless it comes out at the end of 2017 because that's one of the, the games that, in you know, in my opinion, would be the easiest to do a direct sequel. It would be easy to come out with Mario Maker 2 and add a lot of new features to it because, like, a lot of the Nintendo IPs that came out, you know, the new IPs that came out on the Switch or the Wii U, excuse me, you know, when you when you start out with the very first iteration of them it's easy to build on that and to enhance that idea at, when you come out with a sequel with smash it's not so easy to do if if any game if there is a game that where it makes sense to do a remake or like a special deluxe version it's the smash series because we're already on the fourth game there's not a whole lot more you can do with that franchise um, without it becoming stale. So coming out with a you know deluxe version is probably the the, the right idea. But you know we we might see that in 2017 later. But they don't want to do it at launch because, like you said, you just can't have too many direct ports coming over. And then with Pokin, you know. As much as I would love to see Pokin on the Switch, Pokin was released in 2016. That game, you know, is only a year old. So for that to come out uh, in 2017, I think we would be uh, lucky to have that come out in 2017. Of all those games, you know, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens, but um, Nintendo does have to be careful with how they go about doing this and i think it's probably too soon for a direct sequel to pokin but it's also almost too soon to come out with a new version when the game just came out in 2016 like to have a deluxe version so pokin is kind of tricky but um you know from like wii u games aside when it comes to uh games that were not mentioned uh for the switch that I think would be huge as far as being able to turn the switch, um, you know, into like a true gaming machine that everybody wants and to really help Nintendo's reputation to kind of change it from being, you know, just a kitty game maker to no, we just, we, ha we have the best games period for any genre is they need to get two developers on board they need to get Rockstar, and they need to get Blizzard. Because uh, if they can get the Overwatch series onto the Switch, not only does that enhance the competitive gaming aspects that are already there that Nintendo are trying to build upon, it's a competitive game that's a third-party game, um, which has already been very, very popular on the Xbox and the PS4. And then Grand Theft Auto. You have to have that series if you want to be successful, because... Grand Theft Auto V is the fourth best-selling game in video game history on any platform, handheld or console. Grand Theft Auto V sold 70 million copies. There are only three games in the history of video games that have sold more than that. Wii Sports, Wii Sports, Mario 3. No, Wii Sports, Minecraft, and Tetris. Now, 
I don't think anyone's going to beat Tetris anytime soon because Tetris is number one with 495 million. So that's half a billion. But Tetris has also been out since 1984. Grand Does Theft that include all the platforms? It includes all the platforms. Includes mobile, iOS, BlackBerry, PlayStation okay. uh, Portable, Windows, Android, PS3, the original NES, Game Boy. It includes all the platforms. That's why I said it's been out since 84. So. Like Minecraft is number two because it's on so many different platforms. But um, the Grand Theft Auto series, if you look at at the um, the best selling video games of all time, you know if you're if you're looking at like the top, you know thirty or forty games, uh, all the Grand Theft Auto games are on there in some you know at some rank. Grand Theft Auto Five is the best selling of the series. But you need to have, like, that's a huge game. That game is basically like the Pokemon for adults. You know, Pokemon is one of those games that just sell. It's just, it makes money for Nintendo. It's almost like they're licensed to print money. Grand Theft Auto is like that for Sony and Microsoft. Like, they come out with those games. They push hardware with those games. Because if, if Grand Theft Auto V came out... Um, for the Wii U, I guarantee you it would have sold more uh, than it did. Now, it probably wouldn't have been the best version of Grand Theft Auto V, but, you know, it still would have given people more of an incentive to buy a, a Wii U because then it's like, okay, well, there are some, you know, great adult titles that we can purchase on there. So if you can get Blizzard and, and uh, you can get Rockstar on board and you can come out with a new Grand Theft Auto game, even if they come out with Grand Theft Auto Five on the Switch, I think that would definitely still be an improvement. But if you can come out with a new Grand Theft Auto game for the Switch, and you can um, bring over the Overwatch series, you know, as far as third-party developers go, that is your, you know, that's a home run. Yeah, I agree, man. Like you, you just can't, you can't deny math. Like you just can't. Considering the popularity of both of those franchises, it only makes sense that Nintendo figures out a way to incentivize those other companies. We'll, we'll kind of have to wait and see because a lot of companies are taking a wait-and-see approach the same way they did with the Wii. If we look at that third-party that, that lineup of third-party games we listed off, a lot of those games fall into the same... Like, a lot of it is exactly what happened with the Wii U. We saw a lot of third-party support in the beginning of the Wii U, but most of the third-party support we saw on the Wii U was older versions. You know, they were older games, games that were out on the other platforms already. This is sort of the same thing where we're seeing a Street Fighter game. We're seeing Minecraft. We're seeing Rayman. We're seeing Skylanders. We're seeing Dragon Ball Xenoverse. And we're seeing Skyrim. Like, we're seeing games like that that exist on other platforms already. That we're, we're in dangerously, we're in dangerous waters with the Switch as far as third-party support. The Switch has to do well in this first year to keep these third-party developers on board and incentivize them to make new IP or bring over stronger IP. I think right. though I think the game here, even though it's an older title, I think the game here that might incentivize other third parties to come on board is in fact Skyrim. The success of Skyrim on this platform might be integral with how 
other third-party developers see the success of the Nintendo Switch. Like, if Skyrim does decent numbers, they might feel incentivized to come over and play on, you know, with, with the Switch, get a development kit for it, and start building their games with all three companies in mind versus we're going to build something for the PlayStation and the Xbox and only those platforms, and a PC version will come out a year later. They need to... So, like I, like I said, I think Skyrim's success might be key to those other developers getting on board. Now, Skyrim doesn't even have to be all that successful on the Switch. It just has to do... If they do like something like 200K on the, on the Switch, that might be enough because that game is just so old. Right. That's why I was... One of those games where I, I understand why they want to bring it out, but if you're trying to get a big third-party developer it's better to go with something a little bit more recent. So that's why I thought it was still kind of strange. But, you know, if you want, you know, the big boys to make games for a console, EA is great because they they definitely, um, having having some good sports games back on, on the, the Switch, on the Nintendo console, it, it helps with the image. Like, we're not just, you know making a console for for children we're making a console for all ages and that includes teenagers and adults and uh if you can if you can get some of the other big ones over like you know you know overwatch is not exclusive to to any console so they there's no reason why they shouldn't be able to negotiate that and and the grand theft auto series appear on everything as well so there's no reason why they shouldn't be able to get those on the switch and as long as they can do stuff like that then you're going to have the image of the Switch being, well, it's a console where you can play many different kinds of great games, but you can also get the exclusive Nintendo IPs that you can't get anywhere else. And that's really where they're going to be successful because, you know, it's never been worse for Nintendo as far as third-party support than it has on the Wii U. The Wii U, it was, it was like just, there was like nothing. And it's sad because, you know, I mean... In a way, when when we talked about uh, in our episode what's want, what's wrong with the Wii U, I mentioned that it was almost impressive because there is no one else out there who can keep a console afloat with only first party games. If you had Microsoft come out with with uh, Xbox and only Microsoft was making games for them, or let's say Sony could only was only making games for the PS4 and there was no third party support, those systems would fall and crash and burn and Microsoft and Sony would never be able to come out with another console again. It's they just a don't have the IP. No, it's a testament to the strength of Nintendo's IPs that, you know, they're so good that they can have a console, even though it was a failure, that they can actually sell 15 million units of a console that pretty much had virtually no third-party support. I know there were some good third-party games for the Wii, but they were few and far between. And it just shows the potential of the Switch now that the third party is back. If you can get the right third-party games on the Switch... When you combine that with Nintendo's original IPs, I mean, the Switch could be huge, huge. And that's why uh, another reason why it's really important that Nintendo 
um, gets it right with the um, the pre-orders because you've got to meet the demand this time. You can't, you know, you can't fuck up like you did with the Pokemon Go Plus. You can't screw up like you did with the um, the wow. NES Classic. You know, those things people will forgive you for because, um, like, the NES Classic is nostalgia-based, so people can get that anytime. It's not new. The games aren't new. So people are just getting them because they want to play old games. And the Pokemon Go Plus is just an accessory that comes out for a game. But you can't mess up when you are dealing with the launch of a console that is going to make or break your company. So, you know, despite the the great, great potential that it has, Nintendo, like, has to make it easy for themselves. They can't shoot themselves in the foot and then, you know, because we know that the Switch is going to be sold out. We know that it's going to be hard to get. But how hard is it going to be to get? Like, are most of the people who go out and get a Switch going to be able to get one? Or is it going to be so scarce that, like, you know, nobody can get one. We, You want it to be to the point where 80 to 90% of the people who want one can get it. That way, like, you know, when it does come out, it's it's not so hard to find that it just becomes impossible um, because the demand for this thing is going to be huge. I just really hope that Nintendo gets it right. No, I 100% agree with you, man. It, that's what literally has to happen. And it's less than two months away. Less than two months. Yeah, that's the scary thing, right? Like, the proximity of when this device is coming out. When we're going to be able to hold it, touch it, play it. It's it's fast, man. Uh, and just, you know, Breath of the Wild is going to be key. How Breath of the Wild does and how, how the Switch moves in that first month and how, like how many consoles are sold and how many units of Zelda Breath of the Wild are sold alongside it is pretty important to what people are... That's going to be their first impression of the Switch. So it, it really has to just blow everyone's mind. Um, well, let's uh, let's talk. Let's let's, uh, let's close things out like this. If you had to grade the uh, the presentation as a whole, the whole hour and six minutes that it was, what do you? What is your what is your letter grade for the Switch presentation? Um, I would give them an A minus. All right. I am a little more skeptical. I'm still I'm still favorable, but I'm gonna give them like a B, a solid B. They, in my opinion, they there were some things that are right, like the online, the paid for online service is right. The fact that they're they're recommitting themselves to IP like Splatoon while creating new IP like Arms, and uh, just expanding upon you know the Zelda and Mario universes. It's nice to see those type of things happen. It's nice to see them integrate mobile, uh, mobile hardware with the console, like the parental control app, and to a lesser extent, the uh, the voice communication app that will be coming out. Um, that being said, I do think that the voice communication uh, issue is still an, an issue. The fact that this isn't built into the hardware itself is a little frustrating because it's literally Nintendo having their cake and eating it too and like leaving us the frosting 
because we get the voice communication, but we don't get it integrated into the system itself. So it's like just getting the frosting and none of the actual cake. Uh, I like I like the third-party support, but at the same time, I'm very wary because a lot of it is games that are already on other consoles. So it's like it's not like we're getting new third-party support. Uh, with the exception of the Dragon Quest, we're getting the newer iterations of those titles. But like I said, it's it's a solid beat. It's a step in the right direction. It's a step. I, I do think the Switch is the console that is going to, you know, break the mold that Nintendo's been in. I just think that we need to see a little bit more of what these other companies and Nintendo have to offer on this particular uh, console. Like I said, it's a it's a B in my opinion, but that that just means that there's there's still room for improvement, and I do it does after seeing that presentation, I do believe that Nintendo does have a strong commitment to this device in the in a way that they weren't all that committed to the Wii U. In my opinion, if they were really committed to the Wii U, it wouldn't have been named the Wii U. So the Switch is definitely the Switch that Nintendo needs. Um, so solid B for me. All right. Anything else to say? Any closing thoughts on the matter, brother? Nope. Just remember to stay tuned, guys, because even though the Switch is coming out in less than two months, we are still going to be bringing you all of the latest news and updates from the hardware and the software in the coming weeks prior to launch. Oh, yes, guys. Just don't forget, like, this is our first episode in the spinoff podcast. Uh, Obviously, we're calling it Nintendo Switch It Up uh, because... We're gonna Nintendo switching it up, and so we're gonna roll with that. Uh, what we're gonna do in the uh, upcoming weeks for this spinoff podcast is we're gonna take each and every one of the first party titles that was announced in the press event, and we're gonna we're gonna break down we're gonna break them down in depth. We're gonna go ahead and start with Arms. We're gonna go ahead and break down Arms when we come back with another switch it up uh, show, because I, I just think that Arms being the new IP. I think we should talk about that one first before we get on to the more established IP. Uh, and any more Switch-related news that comes out between now and March will also get discussed in this spin-off podcast. That being said, you can always catch the Nintendo Power Zone podcast on iTunes and Google Play Music. You can stream it on Stitcher Radio. If you're a fan of watching us live, you can catch us on YouTube on the 29th of every month. That is when we record our live shows. And then they come out on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher the next day. Um, we got to hit you up with these social media links before we go, guys. You can hit me up on Twitter, at Nice1983. And you can hit Mario After Party up on, at Mario After Party. You can hit us up on Facebook, facebook.com slash Nintendo Power Zone, all one word. Like I said, you can catch us here on YouTube. We do a lot of different stuff on YouTube. We do unboxing videos. We do analysis videos. Mario After Party has a great in-depth look at both the Pokemon Go series and Pokemon Sun and Moon. Uh, obviously, we record the podcast live here. We do so much, guys. Uh, yep. because- oh, sorry. The, the, our YouTube channel has got a lot of great content for you guys. Um, you know, all you got to do is search for the Nintendo Power Zone on YouTube. I've got my own YouTube channel. Uh, it's not video game related. It's just um, some music that I've been working on. Just search for Mario After Party. You can email me um, at uh, theafterpartysound at gmail.com. And, of course, if you need to e- email uh, 
Nice one. He's got his at what nice is he? One, Nice one, nine eight three. That's right at gmail.com. And then, if you're a fan of the music, guys, Game Chops is one of the uh, DJs that makes and producers that makes the music for this show. He's really talented. He works with a, a group of talented people. All you gotta do is search for Game Chops on YouTube, or you can go to GameChops.com and find a lot of fantastic video game remixes. Absolutely, guys. Uh, that's gonna be it for this episode of Nintendo Switch It Up, man. Guys, as always, you already know. Stay fresh. Stay fresh. Deuces. Deuces.